All right, and good morning, Ridge Point Church. How you doing this morning? Good, man, we're excited that you're here. I'm excited to kick off a brand new series this morning, uh, all about this idea of what it means to be comfortable. And, and, and really, the idea of being uncomfortable is, is kind of dovetailing with the series we wrapped up last week, where we're talking about the overall vision of the church. And so I'm excited to talk about that. I'm excited to get into the message. But before we do that, turn to the person next to you, give them the fizz bump, and say, I'm glad to see you this morning. Man, we have a lot of people glad to see you this morning. We are really glad that you're here as we launch in this series. Because here's the thing that I've discovered about people, and I can almost say this about every one of us here this morning, is that we are creatures of habit. Uh, we love the things that we love, and, and whether it's foods or whether it's the areas that we sit when we come to church on Sunday mornings, we tend to be creatures of habit. I think this is ingrained in us from the time that we're young. I just had a chance to take my son. Our, our youngest son is going into kindergarten. So, so we met his kindergarten teacher this past week, which is this excitement and sadness all in one. Uh, but we go there, and he already has this assigned seat that he's going to sit probably for most of the year, as long as he doesn't get in trouble. He's going to have that assigned seat. And so for the time that we're young and we're in school, we learn, hey, when you go into a classroom, this is where you're supposed to sit because when the kids are younger, that's all they want to take attendance and know where kids are. But then as we get older, maybe we proceed into high school and there's no longer assigned seats, but we find ourselves gravitating towards the same area and sitting near the same people. And maybe we go on and we go to college and there's definitely not assigned seating there and yet you find yourself sitting in the same cluster of people, maybe even in the same seat. And then we get a little bit older, we start coming to church, or maybe we've been going to church for a while, and we sit down, and we find ourselves sitting in the same seat. In fact, earlier this summer, we didn't even comment on this, but I love to see the reaction, because normally during most of the year, we have kind of three sections of chairs. But then a lot of times during the summer, we switch that up and put the two sections like we have now. And I love when people walk in the first Sunday when we transition from three to two, because their first look is like, what just happened? <laughs> like this is messing with my mind. And then their second thing is, but I always sit there. And like if I can't sit there, I'm not sure what church the experience is going to be like. Because for every one of us, we tend to be creatures of habit. Once we find something that feels good for us, we tend to gravitate towards that thing. And listen, I want to be careful at the very beginning, at the outset, to say that it's not so much that there's something wrong with being comfortable in certain areas of our life. Like, I understand the appeal of that because our lives are busy. We're going through right now, for many of us, school is beginning and kids are going back to school and, and there's a routine. Over the summer, we kind of got lax in that routine a little bit and we're going to go back and it's going to be making sure kids get showers and their teeth brushed and all that stuff to make sure that happens at night and then tomorrow morning it's dropping kids off at school and making sure you're to work on time and then having to figure out pickup schedules and then we better make sure they eat dinner tomorrow night so we're going to make sure dinner's taken care of and there's things like laundry and mowing the yard and all of these things that have to happen. And so there's a lot of us because life is so busy and there's so much stuff that we have to do. There's a lot of us at the end of, the, of that day we say we have to have some way to relax and be comfortable and I get that. For my wife and myself, there's nothing more enjoyable, there's nothing more relaxing than to sit down once all the responsibilities and all that stuff is done. We sit down at the end of the night and maybe we have an hour to ourselves. The kids are in bed and we're kind of getting ready for bedtime ourselves. We said, let's sit down 
and watch just an hour of TV. And we have a little nook off our bedroom. We have a small TV in that nook, and so we'll go there, and we have a recliner, and there's nothing more comfortable than kicking my feet back in that recliner. And here's the thing. Here's how much we are creatures of habit is when we sit down, we have to make sure that I am on the right of the, of the recliner and my wife is on the left because we're creatures of habit and, and we just like to be comfortable. And I'm here to tell you at the beginning, we're not trying to say be uncomfortable in those areas, but there are some areas of our life that really the idea of comfortable has gotten to the point where we just kind of kind of lackadaisical we got laid back, maybe even a little bit lazy about certain things. And it's really easy to just kind of coast through. And we want at the outset of the series say it's not just about not wanting to have comfort in our life because we believe that comfort is important. But then when it comes to strategic, strategic areas of our life, we want to make sure that we become very specifically and intentionally uncomfortable in those areas. Because I want us to see this. I want us to look at this real quick. This is what the Bible has to say about being comfortable. This is it right here. Nothing. The Bible has nothing at all to say about being comfortable. Which is funny because the Bible comforts us. And the Bible actually commands us to comfort each other. But never does the Bible encourage us to get comfortable. And that's because at the end of the day, if we get too comfortable, we stop the growth pattern of our life. And here's the thing, just me as being a person who watches and observes and just kind of has, tries to keep my pulse on the, 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 the pulse of, of, of where we're at as, as a church in our country and the world, I think a lot of times the biggest challenge that we face is just that we tend to gravitate towards that which is really, really comfortable and we're not going to grow when we gravitate towards that which makes us comfortable. It's true in a lot of facets of our life. It's true when it comes to our physical growth. It's true when it comes to our, our mental health. If we gravitate towards comfortable, if we gravitate towards safe, then I'm not going to produce growth in those specific areas. In fact, I want to do this real quick this morning. I want to look at some, some rules. It's crazy that the Bible that offers comfort and comforts us Never teaches us to be comfortable. So here's three rules that we just kind of learn about being comfortable. This is just through observation, observation, seeing how people kind of just go through life. Three rules about being comfortable. Number one is we all gravitate towards comfortable. For every one of us, we say this is where we feel comfortable. How many of us, after having a really, really bad day, we just love to have those comfort foods? How many know what your comfort food is? Like the one thing, if I'm having a bad day, I have to have it. Or maybe you can make up something. On the count of three, everyone tell me what your comfort food is. One, two, three. That's right, macaroni and cheese. Good job. <laughs> uh, how many can identify when I'm uncomfortable, like mac and cheese feels really good at that moment? I, like I get that. Uh, but what, what was somebody else? Someone say it out loud real quick. Gummy bears, I heard. Who said gummy bears? Kyle, good job, man. I heard chocolate over here. Ice cream. I think ice cream, that's an awesome one. Uh, man, there, there's a lot of foods that just, when we're having a bad day, we're like, you know, I said I'm going to start that diet this week, but today was really stressful, and, and I just don't even want to deal with that. I'm going to go get what I really feel like having. We gravitate towards that which is comfortable. What about this? 
I know there are some people who, when I fall asleep, I have to sleep a certain way. Some people who sleep on their back. Who sleep on their side? A lot of us. Who sleep on their stomach? That's where I'm like most comfortable. Like I'm all about that. But, but it's funny, but I'm like, man, I can't fall asleep. Like I might be able to nod off, but if I want to go into deep sleep, this is the way. And we know this about ourselves. We know that we are creatures of habit and that we love to gravitate towards that which makes us comfortable. And, and, and that's just a natural, we understand that because we're creatures of habit, because we like things a certain way. We say this is what comfort looks like for us. And so we have a natural tendency, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, it's just a saying, this is how we're wired, is that we gravitate towards that which it makes us comfortable. And so because of that, when we talk about a series about how God wants us to be uncomfortable, it isn't something that we're just going to gravitate towards. It's something that we have to be strategically intentional about, to say, if I want to grow in certain facets of my life, that I'm not just going to gravitate towards losing weight. I know I've been trying that for 43 years. It doesn't work. I'm not going to gravitate towards making good grades in school. It takes intentionality. I'm not going to gravitate towards making sure my finances at retirement are prepared for retirement. It takes intentionality. It takes work. And to make the transition a little bit later this morning, when it comes to our spiritual growth, I think most of us kind of coast into this thing called Christianity thinking, if I can just go to church every once in a while, if I can just kind of do my thing and be comfortable, and really what we're seeing by and large in American Christianity right now is that most people just want to be comfortable. If I can just gravitate towards comfortability when it comes to the expression of my faith, then I'm going to feel really nice about that. And it seems really good until our faith is required of us. And then we're like, wait a minute, that idea of comfortability isn't so appealing anymore because now it feels a little bit like there's been a lackadaisical approach and we've become a little bit lazy when it comes to our faith. So the first rule is this, we all gravitate towards being comfortable. Number two is comfortable rarely allows us to reach our goals. If we set out at the beginning, which by the way, last week, last couple of weeks, we did a series called 10-4, and 10-4 was about here's the overall vision of, of us as a church. Here's, we've been at this for 10 years, and here's our four pillars we've had, and here's four new pillars, and here's where we want to see us go and grow. It takes intentionality, but we said this, that in order for us to, to catch the vision, it has to move from paper to practicality. That a vision that isn't lived out, a vision that stays on paper, isn't vision, it's a dream. And so this series, dovetailing together with the previous series, is how do we take that which we want to be intentional about and start to give legs and be intentional about growing in those areas? How do we go from it being the vision of the, the corporation as a church to, how, to becoming the vision of the people as a church? Because at the end of the day, the church is the people. And so the last two weeks is about the overall vision of the church, and the next four weeks is how do we make that personal ourselves because we're going to gravitate towards that which is comfortable. Comfortable very, very rarely allows us to achieve our goals. Now, if your goal is to be comfortable, you can do it by being comfortable. But other than that, if we go into this and say that we want to become more healthy when it comes to our physical health, we don't gravitate towards that. And so being comfortable works against that. It could be devastating in terms of trying to reach our goals. And you know that you're going to face that pressure when you start to set the goals. You come home this week, you say, okay, this is it. I'm being serious about this. On the way home from work Monday afternoon, 
I'm going to make sure I hit the gym up, and I'm going to go to the gym. And so you set the goal, and you tell everybody on Sunday, hey, guys, I'm going to go on the way home. I'm stopping at the gym. Or even better, Monday morning at 5 a.m., I'm setting my alarm to get up a little bit early to hit the gym. Who liked to work out in the morning, like really, really early in the morning? How many go, but they don't like working out early in the morning? Like, I understand that, too. But we say we want to be intentional about doing that. And so you set the goal, and that alarm goes off at 5 a.m., and the comfortable thing to do is hit that snooze and say, not today, maybe tomorrow. Or to come home after work and to say, I really want to go to the gym, but man, today was a rough day. My boss got on me a whole lot and I'm tired and I need, I need some better sleep. And so maybe I'll get better sleep tonight and tomorrow I'll be more rested and ready to go to the gym. And then we don't have enough energy to work out, but we have enough energy to stay up till 11 o'clock watching the news or whatever it is that we do. And then the next day we're still tired. But here's the thing that we discover is that if this is true, if comfortable rarely allows us to reach our goals, what happens inevitably is that we stay comfortable now, and then later on we pay the price by becoming uncomfortable. If we say, I'm going to keep putting off those health needs in my life, because right now I'm comfortable eating the foods that I want and not working out as I should. Later on, we pay the price for that. If we say right now when it comes to our finances, I want to be comfortable. I want to enjoy this season of my life. And then later on, we end up praying, pay, paying for that by being uncomfortable. We're saying there's a give and a take. I can either choose right now to be uncomfortable, be intentional, and be disciplined about the way I approach life. Or if I'm uncomfortable now, I'm going to be more comfortable later. Or I can choose comfort now and kind of do my thing, but later on I'm going to pay the price because comfortable rarely allows us to reach our goals because at the end of the day, number three is this. Comfortable never brings growth. I asked this question last week. I actually began, I wasn't planning on going this, this way, but if, if you're here last week, you heard a little bit of the message. If not, you can check out the podcast. But there are some things that God was doing within our lives yet last Saturday and I said, man, I, I got to at least take part of this vision message to, to comment on it. But I began the sermon by asking this. How many are okay being uncomfortable? And I asked everybody to raise their hands. And a lot of people did. I want to do that again at the beginning of a series where we talk about being uncomfortable. I want to ask a question this morning of everybody here. How many of you are okay being pushed and being uncomfortable? If that's you, raise your hand. Not as many hands. We're like, wait, we're talking about being uncomfortable. I'm not sure about all of this. Because here's the thing. Chris asked us earlier, and I'm asking everybody, if you haven't done this, do this at some point during the message. Chris asked us earlier, because there's some steps. I, I think this is open to anyone, but this isn't for everyone. There's a step in particular at the end of the message this morning. It's open to anyone, but it isn't for everyone. And I'm going to ask specifically on your connection card if, if you want to take that step to write that down. So for everybody, if you just fill out that connection card, there's some other things you can do with that. But towards the end, I'm going to give us some steps. And the last one is, I think, particularly challenging but really, really important. So we're talking about this idea of being comfortable. And, and it's true about every facet of our life, but it's especially true when it comes to the expression of our faith. I think we're gravitating towards, as a country, we're gravitating towards this idea that I just want to be comfortable I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to do my thing. Like I want to see the effects of of life being uncomfortable. I want to see the really cool things, but I don't want to put in the work. And that just doesn't. It just doesn't work. There's there's a work ethic involved. There's a saying, hey, if you want this to happen, if you want Z to happen, then then X and Y have to take place in your life. 
And that's true when it comes to our spiritual growth. We don't just gravitate towards growth. We gravitate towards being comfortable. And as we look at the teachings of Jesus, we look at the teachings of the early church, we find he didn't teach a whole lot about being comfortable. Instead, he taught ideas like this. In John chapter 12, verse 25, it says this, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Man, that doesn't sound like a clarion call to be comfortable. Like we sit there and say, but we want to love our life. That's, how, that's what life is supposed to be about. I'm supposed to be comfortable and, and, and enjoy it. But Jesus came and said, listen, life's a lot bigger and a lot longer than things that we're enjoying here. If your whole pursuit in life is just to love where you're at and be comfortable where, with where you're at, then you're never going to achieve what you really want. But if you're willing to give up your life, then what you gain as reward eternally is so much more. Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, says this, If we are afflicted, which doesn't sound very much like being comfortable, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. See, it isn't that God didn't want us to be comforted. In fact, one of the names for the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. And the idea is that as, as God, as we go through life, as we face heartache, as we face devastation, it's that we don't find comfort in our circumstances, but that we find comfort in a person. And what happens is we've mixed those two things up and we say, but I want to be comfortable in my circumstances, and if I'm going to be comfortable, there, ha- there are certain things that have to happen for me to feel that level of comfort. And those things change as our lifestyle changes. Maybe when we're young and, and we're setting in, we say, man, here's the things that I want. And, and maybe we get to the point where we start talking about what a dating relationship looks like. We think, man, I just want to find someone. I'm not looking for a whole lot. I just want to find someone that makes me feel comfortable. Like, that sounds like an admirable thing, right? I want to find someone who makes me feel comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that. You proceed a little bit further. Maybe you're a couple of years into that relationship, and you discover, I think this is now the one. We're comfortable. We love each other. We love spending time together. And so we decide to get married, and we get married. And and, and at the beginning, it's all about the emotion. I feel really good, and I'm going to get by just on feeling good. And that works for a little while. That feeling's called infatuation. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not love, but it's infatuation. It feels good. We gravitate towards that because it feels good. But I can't tell you the amount of times that I've even heard or I've been a part of, whether in a formal setting where people are going through counseling or whether an informal setting where I'm sitting down with someone at coffee or at lunch and they start to talk about, man, my relationship isn't where it used to be. And the answer looks something like this. When you ask, well, what happened? There wasn't like one moment where they said, this was it. This was like everything was great and it all fell apart at this moment. What they have a tendency to say is, well, it just feels like we got too comfortable. Like we stopped working on it. And once we stopped working on it, it stopped working. Well, the same thing's true about our faith. Like, ultimately, if we look at the sacrifice that Jesus paid on our behalf, he paid a very uncomfortable sacrifice not for us to become comfortable. And so we're going to launch out today. Kind of that set the stage for where we're going. We're going to launch out today for the next four weeks talking about here are some marks of 
being uncomfortable in our faith. These aren't like groundbreaking, earth-shattering things. It's kind of like if you want to get physically healthy. I'm not at all a person who's an expert on, on diets and health and fitness and all of those things. But I can tell you, if you, want to, if you want to make better health decisions, there's some foundational things that you need to do. You need to work out. You need to do some cardio. You need to eat healthy. And those might change based upon the person that's giving you the advice. But those three things are true. Well, the same thing when it comes to our faith. There are certain things that are not groundbreaking, earth-shattering. They're just things that we say, I know that I should be doing it just, that's where the faith element of me putting into practice what I believe becomes really challenging. So I did this this week. I asked the question of some of my friends, and I asked it more on social media. And I asked this question, I, I was trying to be very specific about how I asked the question, but I said, what part, if you're a follower of Jesus, what part of the Christian experience do you find most uncomfortable? Now, early on, I started to get some answers that weren't exactly what I was looking for. I was asking a question, if you're a follower of Jesus, what part of the Christian experience do you find most uncomfortable? And the answers tended to be, here's what I don't like about some churches that I grew up going to. And listen, every one of us could do that. I could, I could write a book on experiences I've had in church, and these are things I didn't like about all of those things. I think those are valid and those are important. But, but I was clear later on, I said, hold on, let me, let me reframe the question for us. All the things that you're mentioning are all valid, but that's not what we're looking for in this question. I'm saying in particular, when it comes to the expression of our faith, what are the things that you know that you should do that you're not doing? Or what are the things you know you should not do that you're doing? In other words, when our faith becomes personal, what are the parts of that that I feel really uncomfortable about? For the most part, the rest of the answers I got were all complaining about church experiences they had growing up. And, and I get that because we could all write that book. But there's one answer in particular. There are a couple that kind of got the gist of what I was trying to get to. There was one question, or there's one answer in particular, that really for me got down to the roots of this is what we're talking about. When it comes to the Christian experience, the part that I struggle with the most. There's a lady, her name was Megan. She answered it this way evangelism, hands down. God made me shy and reserved, so preaching the good news one-on-one is hard for me. Emphasis being hers. See, here's the thing. We're, we're, we're playing, we're exchanging one thing for another. As comfortable is minimized in my life, the opportunity for growth is, is optimized. As comfortable, we are kind of pursuing comfortability, but as comfortable as minimized in my life, the availability for growth is optimized. And so Megan was sitting there saying, I know that part of my faith, that, that, that if I'm serious about really following Jesus, the way that he pursued me, we sung a song this morning about the relentless pursuit that Jesus has for us. And she says, I know the way Jesus pursued me, and I know that I should be contagious about the way that I share my faith. Like, that just is part of the Christian experience that I should be doing. Like, this is what Jesus died for, is for us to go out and to share that message. And she said, I know the part that is most uncomfortable for me is the idea that I'm supposed to be sharing my faith one-on-one, -on -one, but I also know that I'm shy and I'm reserved. So for me to sit down with my friends... 
to sit down even one-on-one and sharing my faith, that's incredibly difficult. And you know what? I think that is true for most of us. We say, I know I should share my faith, but that's really, really challenging. I want to look at a passage this morning in Acts chapter 8. Beginning in verse 26, it says this. There's a story that is, that is being told. It says this. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south <clears throat> to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there's an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he's returning, seated in his chariot. And he's reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep is led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearers is silent so he opens not his mouth. Like amazing the passage that he's reading in Isaiah at that moment is this passage that was prophesying who Jesus was going to be. It says, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? There's not a lot of times in our life we can pray for opportunities to share our faith there's not a lot of times that God tees them all up for us and says, hey, here, I'm going to make it as simple as possible. This guy's reading a passage, and he's saying, hey, I'm reading this passage I don't understand. And he reads, and it's an obvious reference to Jesus, and he says, but I don't understand. Is the prophet talking about himself, or is the prophet talking to someone else? It's those moments you say, God, you have done everything you can to make this as easy as possible. If I blow this, this is on me. So God sets the stage for him and says, here's what I want you to do. And it says this, verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they're going along down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Philip has a chance to share his faith. And Philip says, man, here's, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand the passages you're reading. I was reading a story this week about someone who just had started to pray about, man, I want to start to share my faith. And that could be incredibly uncomfortable, and it could be maybe the most awkward part of our Christian faith. But they started to pray for opportunity. They have me traveling. They're reading a book called Jesus in the Old Testament. The person next to them sat down and said, that seems like an interesting discussion. Tell me about it. And the person was agnostic. They didn't believe in really anything at all. But because they're reading a book, they had an opportunity to share their faith. So as we talk about this idea, it all begins. We're going to get to some, here's some steps you need to take. But it all begins with us praying for those right opportunities. It doesn't take you having a bunch of scripture memorized. It doesn't take you having a PhD in Bible. That's not it at all. The early church was filled with normal people who had very little religious background. But what they knew is Jesus was dead and he's now alive. Here's what my life used to look like and here's what it looks like now. And simply because of that, I can't help but my faith be contagious. It all begins by saying, God, I want you to put some people in my path. 
that need to hear this message. Philip comes and he sees the person who God was ordaining for him to meet. And because of the questions that person had, he was able to lead that person into faith in Jesus so much that they said, hey, here's some water. What stops me from getting baptized? Like, I want to follow Jesus and I want to get baptized. And, and, and he goes and he does those things. Because at the end of the day, our faith is supposed to be contagious. Let me finish up this passage and we'll talk about it real briefly. It says in verse 38 here, he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down in the water, Philip and Eunuch, and he baptized him. He says, here's the end product. Because of the faith that you have, you're now following him in baptism. Because of the faith that you have, you're now beginning to, to, to take those next steps. We exist as a church to help people, wherever they're at, be able to take those next steps. But it all begins with this. It all begins by saying, man, the most important thing to me is no matter how bad I think a person is, no matter how much I think they've messed up, because, as we said last week, imperfection is a prerequisite. It doesn't matter how much we mess up, that everybody's coming to church here this morning, not because we're perfect, but because we're imperfect. Because we realize we're desperately in need of Jesus. And that once we realize what it means to really have faith, then it's on every one of us to say that I'm willing to become uncomfortable and share my faith. So here's the thing we're going to do throughout this series. We're going to give kind of these, these outlines, the four characteristics of someone outside of their comfort zone. So throughout the series, you're going to see this four characteristics of someone outside their comfort zone. Today, number one is that that person is contagious. That there's, man, there's a joy about their life. They can't help but, man, look, this is what Jesus did. And, and I know that my workplaces, I can't talk about issues of religion, but, but I can't help, I can't stop talking about what Jesus did in my life. Like there's just a contagious factor about the way that they do life. Not that we need to be annoying about it. But that people can literally see the joy of Jesus in our life. So the question I have is, what does that look like? If we're going to be contagious, what are the steps that you and I can take as we leave here to start to become more contagious about our faith? If you're taking notes, write down these four things. Four steps to become contagious about our faith. Number one is pray for those opportunities to share our faith. I told you that was coming. The first thing is to pray for opportunities. When I was in seminary, I started to see a professor who modeled this better than anybody I've ever seen. He was just contagious about, our faith, about his faith. And he would come, and every time he'd fly down to where our class was held, he'd say, hey, pray for so-and-so. I was on a plane. I shared my faith with him. And literally every plane trip he had, he had this, this passionate desire to share his faith. And I began at that point at probably 22 or 23 years old saying, God, one of the scariest things for me is to have this personal evangelism face-to-face, -face, especially with someone that I have no relationship with. And I think that's really awkward. But God opened the door for me to be able to share my faith. And as soon as I started to pray for that specific thing to happen in my life, the opportunities that God said, here it is, I'm teeing the ball up for you. You're not going to miss this. If we're going to be contagious, it begins with the way that we pray for opportunities to share our faith. Second thing is this, be willing to have spiritual conversations. Again, it doesn't have to be that you have volumes of scripture that have been memorized. I know that's very intimidating for us, and we think, what if I don't know what to say? And, man, I better go and take this person to professional. But here's the thing. 
when you're sitting down having coffee with a friend, they're going to be willing to talk to you much more than they're going to be willing to talk to one of us. Because you're friends, because you have an established relationship. So it begins with just having a conversation, asking questions. Saying, hey, so tell me, what's God doing in your life right now? And it might be put, they might put them off at first, they don't know how to respond, but slowly they warm up to questions that are spiritual in nature. And then as you ask them, hey, what's God doing in your life, then eventually you get to share. And we come across not as people who have it all together, because by the way, we don't. We come across as people who say, man, like I don't have it all together, but I know one that does. His name is Jesus. And I put my faith and trust and hope in him. And because of that, I don't always have this thing figured out. But I have comfort no longer in my circumstances, but in a person. We pray for opportunities. Once we have those opportunities, we have those spiritual conversations. We ask questions like, what's God doing in your life? We have care. We have empathy. We talk to the person. Number three is this one. Coming up here very shortly. Invite them to an event we're calling a family connect. I want us to understand this about sharing our faith. Sharing our faith isn't just inviting a person to church. I think that's powerful and that's important. But more importantly, we want to invite them to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, a lot of times people have begin that conversation and we say, okay, we want to invite them to church. I think that's really, really cool and powerful as well. And so we've created an event coming up in just two weeks from today. We're saying, hey, we want families to come in to connect. The main purpose, we're going to talk about groups the next couple of weeks. The main purpose is to say, hey, here's some group leaders. Let's have those conversations to try to get people connected. But there's also our kids area, our students area is going to have booths set up. We're going to have a bunch of inflatables for, for those who are young and for those that are young at heart. We have food trucks that are going to be out here. It's going to be a blast right after the service in two weeks. But invite friend, family and friends to events like that where specifically the idea is to see people, people get connected to Jesus and, and then connected to the church. I told you the last one is going to be the challenging one. The challenging one is this. This, isn't, this is for anyone but not necessarily for everyone. It's this idea of communicating for a change. For a while, for probably the last year. God's been working on me about something that, man, has just become one of my passions. And the passion is this. We have to raise up people who are effective communicators of, of, of what Jesus is doing in their life. And it might mean that one day you're supposed to be up on a stage like this. It might not mean that at all. But it just is about saying, I want to pour into people. A few years ago, I read this book called Communicating for a Change. And Communicating for a Change is a book written by Andy Stanley, who for me is probably the best communicator of our generation. And I read this book, and it kind of changed the way that I approached the way that I speak. And for the last year, God's been dealing with me about saying, man, we're supposed to train up some other people that, that can, whether it's within a group context or whether it's, it's, it's in a public context like this, that can effectively communicate what it means to have changed life. And so when Chris asked you earlier today to fill out that connection card, it was because we're going to offer that class this semester. And I want to find out first, like, who's interested, who's intrigued by that. And it doesn't mean that necessarily one day you're going to be up on stage doing this. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to, to learn skills and traits that help us to effectively communicate towards a central topic. But it might one day mean that. And so, again, I want us to understand this is for anyone, but maybe it isn't for everyone. 
And so I'm just going to ask you, if you're at all interested in learning this, this some of these attributes, some of these, these passions, uh, I want to lead a class this semester in doing that. And so if you would just take your connection card at some point before we wrap up the service, and it's on the back of that connection card, right, communicating for a change. And I'm going to get with you this week, and we're going to figure out who all is available to do that. And I'm going to figure out what the best time is for that group. We're not going to specifically assign a time to it until I find out who's interested and what time works best for them. But, man, I'm, I'm so excited. I think that we're supposed to reproduce people that are building disciples. And this is one of the ways to do that. So I'm really excited about that, offering this class this semester. So, again, if you want to take communicating for a change, uh, just write on your connection card at some point during the end of the service. Just write that out, communicating for a change or communication class or something, so that I know that specifically for me. Either way, our goal is this. Our goal is that as we take our faith seriously, God moves us out of our comfort zones. Growth isn't possible in our comfort zones. That's why Jesus, when he's out with the disciples, he calls, G- he calls Peter out of the boat. He says, Peter, I know you're comfortable in the boat, but I'm going to call you out of that comfort zone to something that's better. Throughout this journey, throughout this next couple of weeks, God is calling us to say it's easy and it's safe to stay where things are status quo. But God's calling us to something deeper. Let's pray together. God, we believe as a church that we are here to help people take next steps. God, I want to pray because I believe this morning that almost for every one of us that's here, that's assembled here this morning, for those that are watching online, God, I believe there are next steps that we need to take right now. For the person who says, man, I've wrestled with issues of faith. I've never fully put my faith and confidence in Jesus. Today we're here to say he's the only way. That salvation only comes in his name. And this is what it, what it really means to follow him, that he died in our place to give us hope, to give us freedom, and to give us eternal life. For the person who's never trusted Jesus, I pray today is the day. For those who've made those decisions, as Philip was counseling this Ethiopian, he looked out and he saw water and said, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? God, for some this morning, the next step they could take is to say, I'm ready to follow Jesus in baptism. God, for others, there are some challenges we're going to have throughout this series. But I believe for most of us here this morning, if we're assembled here, if we already claim the name Jesus, the most challenging and uncomfortable aspect of our faith is the idea that we're supposed to be contagious about it. That we're supposed to be willing to have those head-to-head and heart-to-heart conversations about this is what faith is all about. And really, God, that's fundamental to our faith. So I pray for you to give us, to stir up our hearts, to say we need to pray about opportunities to share our faith. And that we're very active in praying for those opportunities. That once those opportunities present themselves, that we can have those spiritual conversations. That we can invite them to be part of a bigger group that's passionately trying to follow Jesus as best we can. And God, maybe even for some that we follow through and say, I believe I'm supposed to take some next steps in being equipped to teach myself. God, I pray that in this moment, God, even in in this silence, that your spirit would speak to hearts. 
Let us know what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to respond. And God, that we would then respond accordingly. Spirit, speak to us, change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.